Listeners, it's good news because Phil and I talked for a long time uh, in this episode because we got so many of your emails and it sparked so many interesting conversations. But the long and the short of it is, well, it's mainly the long of it because it ended up being a long episode filled with extra Star Wars chit-chats and some positives and some negatives, some moans, some, I don't know what the opposite of a moan is, some joyful reminiscences? I don't know. So listen out for just Star Wars emails in this episode and apologies in advance for references to Phil's rewrite and my interview with John Spira instead. I'm going to release my interview with John Spira separately because that was also uh, a cornucopia of Star Wars and film industry related goodies. We talked about The Last Jedi, we talked about Elstree 1976 and we talked about the state of the film industry and trust me, you really want to hear his thoughts on that because he's on the inside. It's fascinating stuff. So anyway, enjoy this email special, enjoy the John Spira interview and yeah, sorry for the lateness on this particular one. I'm afraid uh, last week uh, was more or less full of those moments that frustratingly can't be moved around but um, normal service is going to be resumed as soon as possible maybe with one or two changes for the better as well anyway enjoy the show hello listeners well thank you so much for waiting patiently for this but we now have our star wars email special oh it's going to be good or is it going to be bad or is it going to be very divisive i know i've still thought we should probably call it instead like a star wars the last jedi post-mortem or something because we've got plenty of your emails to go through listeners but it's also such an interesting story in the box office and all around the world and in the papers it's all over it's just a completely different um kettle of fish than rogue one even isn't it loads of memes online turning up kylo ren in his tiny little shorts (laughs) shirt thing i had someone today say that his uh you know his nipples are oddly far (laughs) apart he's got a huge chest he's like a barrel the only problem with this kind of thing and when we could just mini comment right now is i i have slight problems with all these memes and things and comments especially from critics as well because that's just adam driver's physique and he's got a far better physique than me so i, I think it's a bit much i think it's more turning into wastedness it's like simon cowell style the scene the, it's the trousers more than anything else and also it? the fact that it wasn't necessarily necessary and it was star wars you know this <laughs> yeah. isn't i don't even know what else you'd call it chippendales no he reminds me of the uh, the hunk out of mulan really he wears very high-waisted trousers <laughs> oh yeah sort of very broad shoulders well, and he is thing. most manly so maybe kylo ren well, is meant yeah. to be most manly as well to business is his catchphrase to defeat the huns yeah yeah uh right listeners we've got a bounty of things for you in this particular special episode because i also interviewed director john spira who did anyone can play guitar which is the indie documentary about the sort of 30 year period of oxford's indie music scene that was so explosive and produced bands like radiohead but also off the beaten track bands like candy skins that you may have heard the sad story about and he also did elstree 1976 which is basically incorrectly talked about all over the place as a film that explores the making of that first star wars a new hope through the eyes of some of the extras and what they saw on the filming you know what the run-up to it was like and what the aftermath has been but is actually much more um it's not even really about star wars actually it uses these extras but explores the fact that star wars was a cataclysmic event that even though they only vaguely overlapped in it it dominated and transformed their lives even to this day really yeah so it's really interesting sort of personal story so that's really something to look forward to and we had a we had like an hour-long conversation was very enjoyable and i'm going to chop it up and put bits of that conversation in here when it seems appropriate but what i might also do to be honest phil is make that separate and and put it online somewhere Oh, okay, cool. So you can access the whole full shindig. Yeah, because it was fun. It was interesting to talk to you. And John, if you're listening, thank you very much uh, for 
being willing to chat about that. He made a point towards the end, which is that having made Elstree in 1976, people are always coming to ask him about Star Wars. And he kind of thinks, actually, that's not my thing, guys. That's not my thing. So I had to apologise for being one of those people. Well, still, it means he got a nice chat with a nice person. Yeah, he's great. He's great. So that's really something to look forward to, listeners, and the body of the show. Now, Phil, how do you want to play this? Shall we just chat a bit about the film or should we get straight in some listener emails and maybe, you know, intersperse it, do little breaks? I think, what? well, I've got some ideas of how I would tweak or change The Last Jedi right. and kind of keep it in line with the original film, but also do it slightly differently, make it better, in my opinion. Right. I think that could be a little bit of a breather. So I feel like let's get on with the show and get in right into the guts of it all with the listeners' emails. Or do you want to talk about Star Wars in general and how's it, how it's doing at the box office? Why don't we do, why don't we split the emails in half or something like that? Or, and we can just pause and then we can do some of that, you know, stuff, <laughs> the breakdown. You, you don't sound too excited about it. No, I'm really, I'm super excited. Um, no, I am. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just sort of, it's like a puzzle in my head that hasn't really fit properly. You know, like we, you might think, listeners, that with the sound quality so of the polished, show. So polished, so Exactly, refined. there's a lot of planning that goes into this kind of thing and you'd never guess how <laughs> much it comes comes together in the edit as I think it's like a beautiful mushroom in the its beauty is in its organicness very nicely said Phil now listeners you can get in touch on anything that we say in the show at superbellybros at gmail.com or at superbellybros on twitter and we would love to hear your even further thoughts about Star Wars because to be honest I think it's going to expand and it we're going to take in the movie industry because you just can't not do that basically uh, right should we get on with it yeah, before Let me we play do... a jingle and then emails. What are you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, hello, Laurie. You didn't start it with the normal, hey, Phil. Did and I not? I say, hey, Laurie. And I so I feel like is. we've kind of been in a little bit of a limbo until we can get that out of the way. Well, hello, Phil. To hello, you Laurie. As well. All right. Jingle, emails. <laughs> Phil, I think you should go first. Ooh, a bit unorthodox, but I'll agree this Listeners time. Listeners love it when you read the emails out, man. It's good. I apologise in advance if I mess up how to read this. Okay, so to start things off, we've got an email from Susanna who says, Hey bros, congratulations getting the 100th episode. So somebody got in very early with the uh, Star Wars chat. She says, let's get down to business, Mulan style. There we go. As I said, his catchphrase. Let's get down to business. <laughs> so I watched The Force Awakens last night in preparation for The Last Jedi. First time I've watched it since the cinema release. Would you believe it? And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Did I enjoy The Last Jedi? Sure. Was I ex- excited by experiencing a new Star Wars release in the cinema? Sure. Good storyline? Sure. Am I getting the tone right, Laurie? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you and what the listeners are, I'm sure. But I couldn't help but feel like quite a lot of it was winking in the face of being a Disney production. Lots of obvious comedy, e.g. the sea-bird-penguin hybrid creatures that'll become the, the Disney toy for Christmas. Porgs. Mm, indeed. Or the majority of Poe Dameron's lines when he wasn't being used for the plot, i.e. Oh, I can't hear you on the phone towards the beginning. Though Donald Gleeson having to give fight talk to rebel scum over and over again made me laugh a little bit. Did it make you laugh? Talk. What you, what I think that's the sort that? of oh, don't you dare! I will destroy it. like all oh, that. that sort oh, of I thing. see what you mean. So the he kept stuff. having to do a threat every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having said that, I enjoyed seeing how the story developed. Enjoyed the relationship between the characters a lot. Ray really came into her own, I think. And I remember saying to another friend that Kylo Ren was my favourite character in Force Awakens. And again, I was eager to see his fate in the film. So overall, I think it's a success for me. Is that the film itself overall, or Kylo Ren? I don't know. I'm going to say the film overall. It did feel quite long in the cinema, though, and there was always a new crucial dilemma popping up every 15 minutes or so, which occasionally felt a little far-fetched. Personally, the thing I thought particularly brought it together was Mark Hamill. I believed him as Luke Skywalker, and I loved seeing his role in the film. 
Also, spoilers. I feel like the yeah, whole no, thing is going to be spoilers. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Spoilers so everything's on. Everything's yeah. spoiler. She says, yay for Yoda returning. Curious to know what you think about that. Laurie, what did you think of Yoda returning? <laughs> I didn't particularly like it. Only, be, I mean, I was on board with the idea of him turning up as the Force ghost thing. But I don't know. I mean, there's been... There's no sort of precedent for it. They just decided that the Force Ghost would be around. Um, but you kind of think, well, why is one of them not turning up to speak to Ray? You know, because that's like, do you know what I mean? Do they have to know them personally? Or I feel they entered into a whole realm of stuff that's never been explored or thought about. It's breaking new territory. Yeah, but it was only, it wasn't done to serve any other purpose than kind of bolster this new plot. Do you is know that what I mean? You think? So Make Yoda, it more official. just turned up so that we had to buy it the way that Luke was behaving and, you know, the, what Ray was doing. I don't think we're going to see him again, for example. Strange, I found the puppet I did. Yeah, and lots of people have said that it's not Yoda as he ended the film, where he was very serious and grave and faded away into nothing. It's Yoda as he was when he's pretending to be a weird, cranky alien. <laughs> uh, and he talks about the books as not being page turners. When he's stealing Luke sausages. Yeah, yeah. So very, yeah, so strange. On the whole, I wasn't a big fan. And I also thought whether they meant to or not, there was some strange uh, resonance with the idea that he was burning the books. I know he wasn't because Ray had them, blah, blah, blah. But that scene, because you don't know that at that point. Summoning lightning from the sky. As far as you know it, yeah. Not only can he call force lightning, (laughs) Hello could have done that a million times to save people. Uh, It seemed as though he was on board with, let's burn these religious texts, which I think is troubling. You've you've spoken a lot about that as an idea that you find very troubling. Just why would you associate the Jedi with book burning? Like, There's just nothing good about that. They're not page turners. Don't need them. Move on. That's very strange. Uh, Susanna moves on and she says, uh, could have done without the purple-haired lady, though. Yeah, that's uh, Admiral Oldo, or Holdo, uh, played by Laura Dern. As I said in the show, like nothing at all about her. Uh, I think she sounded overly American in an annoying way. Further spoilers, Leia floating in the sky and using the Force to get back in the ship was stupid, I thought. Mm. Maybe I just didn't like the shot and the way it looked, but I cringed a bit at that. Is that fair to say? It's interesting because since we did that show and we've done this one, I've listened to Ryan Johnson. He's just done an uh, interview with Empire on their podcast and it's the first time I've heard him directly address some of this stuff in person. And with his description of that particular layer moment was, uh, you know how parents in accidents can have odd moments of superhuman strength like when their kid is trapped under a lorry when the adrenaline comes they'll in. like lift up the lorry and they'll be really damaged afterwards but they've just done it because that's all there is to it and he was trying to link the two things and then he said it was more like a desperate last moment where she was trying to recover from drowning and he also said that you don't have to be super powerful to do that because it's space there's no resistance which i thought was an old comment from the director so it wasn't that she was amazing it's just she just gave herself a little force shove i decided to reach out like a quidditch style Uh, get that golden stitch i'm surprised that's not come out (laughs) leia racing that's what she was doing wasn't it and I, i to me that sounds like apologetics i think in the in when you're wrapped up in production and everyone's firing ideas at you and you're in this weird world of making the film that no one else knows about, especially a film like this, which is super secretive, I think it seems like a good idea. And then in the cold light of day, not so much. I'm just wondering that nobody said, oh, that looks a bit... Can we redo that? That sort of thing. Yeah, well, they may have done. But this is what I mean. It, I, yeah, so anyway, I, I, I thought it was interesting to hear his thoughts and it did make me think about it again. But sorry, yeah, on the whole season, I do agree with you. 
she goes on to say, I felt a lot of similarities with the newer Star Trek films as well. Not surprising seeing as though J.J. Abrams was uh, brought on board. The yeah. whole tone kind of matched and blurs, doesn't it? It's kind of the modern way to do sci-fi, yeah. She goes on to say she's been a little bit too analytical, she worries, but she basically wants to say she enjoyed the film and looks forward to hearing where the story goes from here. That's that. It for now. Ciao. And it's an interesting thing because, again, I've heard a lot of people say that one of the things that makes this kind of unique and it actually, you know, we flagged this up, but in a negative way, is that Empire Strikes Back and almost every middle part of a trilogy ever does a big job of setting up a cliffhanger so that the third can come back in and answer the problems. Whereas this one, it sort of did away with all the cliffhangers and instead it made it very flat. And the question is just how will they win as opposed to a very specific plot point? And some people are praising that and saying that's a braver thing to do because it means you actually you have no idea what is coming next. But then also I feel like that will halve the interest for a lot of people, I think, because if you don't have that natural uh, creative mind, you don't have any sort of uh, thing to go off of. Are you going to think about Star Wars anymore? Are you going to imagine what could happen? A load of people after The Force Awakens spent a long time, and this is partly the criticism of this film, The Last Jedi, they they spent a long time inventing different ideas and theories and storylines yeah. and plot points. Something which Ryan Johnson has gone on to criticise and say, "Well, we it's not going to match." About that in a minute, yeah. Um, and so I feel like there's not going to be that same pontificating from fans after the force uh, after the Last Jedi. I think, like you say, it, while you have no idea where it's going to go, you have no. You have no idea where it's going to go, so what can you say? I have seen people desperately attempting to find depth where I don't believe there is any, like the uh, geniality of that chimney sweep boy at the end. (laughs) God bless us, everyone. Yeah, like I think people are saying his name, because he's got a credit in the end credits of the film. What's his credit? He's got a surname that apparently ties to something in the extended universe. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. Like That's the kind of thing that feels like a black hole where even if you're brave enough to go through it, all you'll find is emptiness and misery. <laughs> oh, <laughs> why, would, why would you do it to yourself? So I think, you know, the, the creativity of uber fans knows no bounds, actually, Phil. Possibly, but there's no, there's no parameters for it to really yeah. can be contained. There's no so leads. I think yeah. it will just kind of dissipate after a certain amount of time because you don't get... I think a lot of that creativity and a lot of that passion for fans comes in the conflict because you say, oh, no, 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 there's no mm. way because uh, this scene where uh, Snoke did this and whatever it might be... I think it needs, um, uh, strangely enough, you need something to channel it. And so I wonder if there's nowhere really for it to be channeled. There we go. We'll try not to repeat ourselves, listeners, because I don't doubt that many of you have got similar things to say. But thank you very much, uh, Susanna. Great first email to kick off the show. Okay, next up, Kufusius, an old favourite, Star Wars. Oh no, is the title. <laughs> Dear Super Bailey Bros, belated congratulations, or perhaps this is even better timing. Happy 101 episodes. So again, <laughs> this is something you obviously emailed a while ago. We've held it for review. Um, no, no, because we're in, what, are we 103 or something now? 303. We're season three. Season three, that's it. So i got to say i wasn't overly excited about star wars the last jedi either nothing much more i could add on to your list alas i agree with them all oh really yeah about home run for lauren phil yeah dropping bombs about the bombers dropping bombs though people out there are arguing with the whole gravity thing i personally had no problem with the bombs being dropped as you could argue they could be equipped with an ejecting mechanism for the bombs or maybe tiny little jets or something Uh, and once the bombs therefore are in space the momentum does the rest but I had a problem with Rose's sister kicking so hard to get that remote. I guess the force was very strong with her that the remote would fall her way and then be caught by her. Well, hold on, because I'm going to make that into a little bit of a tweak in my uh, fixing of The Last Jedi. Okay, because I admit, yeah, a lot of people said, oh, come on, guys, you know, get a grip, it's bombs, it's just Star Wars. 
you know they're obviously going for the world war ii symbolism thing like the iconic shots of the bombs dropping out and, mm. and i think that fair enough well, i thought there were way too many bombs in that thing it's a massive dreadnought they then did ruin it all by including a few other problems because you could let that go if it was just the bombs but also she appeared to be in a container that was open to space yeah i thought that as well and yeah and like you said she was walloping the remote using the ladder and it fortunately fell down to her and you just kind of think there's just this odd things going on. <laughs> Maybe there. that's why they did the dropping of the bomb so that they could like, get that dropping of this, the, well, the thing. Well, yeah, it's just a, it's, a, it's a oddly problematic the more you look at it, which is not the right way around. <laughs> it keeps on unraveling. <laughs> it's a it's a good example though of how I feel that one of the curious things that really is a distinguishing feature of the Last Jedi is that stuff is really detailed but like wrong. So it's not like it was lazy or that something got missed. It was like specific stuff got put in that seems to have been deliberately done badly. Do you know what I mean? Or like they just didn't have the... They put a lot of effort in, but what they produced wasn't really that robust. Something like that, yeah. So I can't... It's not that it was overlooked. It was just that it was done wrong. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, wait, he says. Was I watching Star Wars or Power Rangers, he goes on. (laughs) Or did they get the Power Rangers actors and actresses to cameo in the film? I couldn't help but notice the way the red guards move, their fighting styles, or worse, the way they posed before striking a blow. It was just so Power Rangers-like. That's brilliant. (laughs) I've not even thought about that. <laughs> I haven't thought about that at all. Lots of people were saying how amazing that sequence no, is. It's just because it was like a, the one flash of recognisable Star Wars action in an otherwise non-Star Wars film. And uh, I've been thinking about it and I haven't... I, have, I don't have the same feelings at all about that scene as I do uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Darth, Darth Maul. Darth Maul, that's a good moment. That's way more exciting and, and much more tension, I felt like. Like you were saying, I think it really is a problem when you've got the two main characters of the story, Kylo and Rey, and you really know then they're not in any peril at all. No, they're going to be kills absolutely it. fine. And like, cause he, he, like uh, we said with J.J. Abrams, Finn gets taken out. So even though you don't think Rey's going to die, you're not sure how she's going to leave that fight. That was a big part of it in the snow, and it's the same thing in the Phantom Menace because Qui Gon Jinn has just got stabbed, hasn't he? So that's true. And then curious. in Empire, you've got you've already got the fact that Luke Skywalker lost his hand. That's right. And then actually, in pretty much every single lightsaber duel, stuff goes down except for this one because yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi gets sliced in half in the very first Star Wars. That's true. That's true. And Luke's getting electrocuted, and it's only Darth Vader who saves the day. I can imagine watching that film and not seeing that particular end coming. You know, when he picks up the Emperor and tosses him down the the chute. And I'm just thinking about it, Attack of the Clones. Obi Wan Kenobi gets like uh, speared in the leg, and Anakin loses an arm and a leg. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> Literally point, every single fight, people are people are losing limbs. It's just not this one you know the good guys just won in the end because she dropped her lightsaber into her hand <laughs> uh, yeah or it's a ghost so it doesn't count at all <laughs> but good good shout there confucius we'll check out the power ranger nature of those red guards which most people seem to say is great i i the thing i said to you right from the force awakens was i don't like the fact that every star wars there's like a new class of stormtrooper and i i get it because even in the originals, that was the case because you had the sand troopers, the normal ones. You had the snow troopers and the forest ones. Yeah, but I've always felt like there was troopers. kind of a there was a, there was because of the locations they were in. That yeah, it seemed appropriate. Whereas these just seem like I don't know elite units or whatever. It, it feels Red very stormtroopers, very silver shiny stormtrooper. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, yeah, it's just not not right. Phasma, what a disaster. Okay, however, he goes on. Dis- despite all my disappointment, nothing beats the feeling when you find out you can get a full refund for the film you just watched. What <laughs> the cinema? Oh, apparently showed two D in a three D session by mistake. That is a that is an absolute bonus. Last Jedi for free. Was Imagine. Last Jedi three D? I'm sure it was. People went to see it at the IMAX and stuff as well, didn't they? Was it? I don't think they were doing it in three D. Maybe I'm mixing. 
Oh wow! Well, Unless they well done you. It, thinking that I'm sure it was in 3D. <laughs> I think it was. I think they've always done Star Wars in 2D, and they won't do it ever in 3D. Well, that would be interesting to know if they've, you know. Well done, Confucius! If you managed to wrangle out a free that cinema, thing. cinema chain made a big mistake there. <laughs> yeah. then. Wow, they've lost out on a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. uh, he says, "Thanks very much for your most faithful fan, wise man from the East, Confucius." Good email. Thank you very much. Thanks, Confucius. Right, I've got one from the Pixel Bro. He's got a couple of other thoughts, but he includes some about the Last Jedi at the end. This is, uh, it starts off with a little agreement from last week's episode with our brother Sam included. That was our actual brother who was on the show. Yes. He says, I agree with brother Sam. What was brother Sam's point, Laurie? Uh, I'm, I think he said that we, listening to our show, it means he couldn't ignore the flaws in the film that he noticed himself, but he nevertheless enjoyed it. Okay, so the pixel bro says agree with brother sam about the last jedi i noticed you didn't mention yoda's chat with luke much your points about plot and character wastage are definitely valid but i enjoyed the lore update if that's not too geeky a thing to say that word we can come back to that word later <laughs> you hate the word lore don't you I, that thing is as we mentioned, <laughs> you really things, hate it i don't like the way it gets used you're fine there pixel bro but i think it's yeah we can come back basically it's a word that makes stuff sound different than it really is lord is like made up stories <laughs> like, fan fiction like, yeah it's fitting you know and it's just sort of this fun thing like lore is what the vikings had man <laughs> not star wars <laughs> that's my maybe i that's feel no i feel like star wars is viking stuff no not really no the vikings were like a real people man and it was like they're, no they're but it's in like uh, the legends of old and everything like that isn't this film kind of dealing with the whole fact of legends, Luke Skywalker? It's like I said, it's not. I don't really have a problem with it. It's just sometimes the way these things get useful. You know me. You know exactly what I'm like. <laughs> I'm just giving you more and more rope, man. That's all. Uh, Pixelbro continues. Perhaps Jedi Knight's best practice in the Return of the Jedi is no longer appropriate for a new generation. Maybe being a grumpy loner, as Luke basically was for most of the Return of the Jedi, isn't the best option after all. And Yoda realised it. Interesting idea, handled more delicately than it might have been. That's all from now. Love from the Pixel Bro. Yeah, now that's a really fair point because I've thought about this as well. And the one thing I can forgive The Last Jedi for and its new approach to the Jedi and its sort of slightly ambiguous statement that it didn't really state it, but it was there, that there's not really a dark and a light side and that the force isn't the way we thought it was, is I agree. One of the things about the prequels was that the Jedi were like weird. Yeah, they were really weird. Like, and they, they? kids were going at like two and becoming these weird robots. What is it? What is it the kid says? Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? <laughs> Dead. <laughs> the most horrified the scene. The worst actor like, as well. The, it, it was just, there was something really odd about that and it, it didn't look like much fun and the council were like dreary. And so I like the idea that they're saying, look, this stuff is real, but who's to say we're going about it the right way? Who's to say that the way that the Jedi use the Force and the order that they set up is the only way to do this thing? So I thought that was good. I like the idea that the Jedi, like, who are they to control this power? Who are they to abuse it and use it as they see fit? I thought that was an interesting idea, but I don't really feel like they teased it out very well. well it no, was that, there, but it wasn't really actually digested. That's a sort of labelling thing there, because it, it, the, the Jedi are the people who use the Force, right? And so, and I think in Star Wars, you know, top tip for Disney... Jedi may be one of the most recognisable words in the world and one of the strongest parts of your brand. The fact that they use lightsabers and they dress a certain way. And being good and paragons. Just I wouldn't ditch that. Yeah. And get a lot of disappointed people all over the world. Uh, I don't think they should be ditching the idea of the Jedi, but I think changing the way that it works, sure, do that. Or like re- rediscovering what a Jedi Knight could be or whatever. That kind of thing. And, and so this is the Pixel Bros point. Like Luke was in the middle of doing that for himself because he thought he was the only one. So he was a bit of a moody loser who just wore black. And I, uh, I still think if he wasn't angry, it'd be so much 
if he wasn't angry, that would have been so much better. I think I, I'm saying that's Ryan Johnson's direction because I don't think Mark Hamill but really liked his character. We're talking about Luke in The Return of the Jedi. So this is Luke on his own. So you will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. <laughs> oh, way. yeah, right. He's bit... He gets quite sort of weird and monk-like towards the end. I felt his presence. Do you remember that? We're talking to Leia on the bridge. I mean, that is after he's realised he's kissed his sister. So I think he <laughs> makes me feel a little bit weird about that. <laughs> that is true. I don't know, I still liked it because he goes into the Rancor pit and then like full on like takes down that massive monster. He does a good job unapologetically. As well. and using his wits, isn't it, as well? Yeah, it's exactly. Not, he doesn't carve it all up with his lightsaber. Uh yeah, but anyway, so I, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with the idea of the Jedi taking a new form and being a bit different. It'll give Disney a lot more freedom with whatever they want to do with it going forwards. Like the Jedi the Jedi Club. <laughs> well you got Ray and the little boy with a broom. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if like he keeps the broom uh, and that becomes his weapon. Yeah, we wouldn't put it past him after what <laughs> uh, Johnny <laughs> Yen in uh, Rogue Sweet. One. It's like Jackie Chan of the Jedi world. Uh but yeah, so we'll see what happens with it. But yeah, you were saying like Luke Skywalker in this film, maybe, well, maybe we can come onto it with an email in a minute, but yeah, I didn't I didn't really like um, Mark Hamill in this film much. I don't think it was his fault. I just thought the character was kind of boring and basic. So I didn't think there was much performance there, really. Well, I, f- I feel like he just, it just doesn't, there's no real depth there. It's just angry and a bit cold and you don't really understand why. And then with the visions as well, I thought they were really, the flashbacks, it really didn't give that much motivation for why Luke was the way he was. He said he saw darkness in Kylo Ren and then he's like, I'm going to kill him. But then he realizes that's a stupid thing to do. I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't really line up, but it kind of moves along at such a pace, ironically, in such a long film that you don't it kind of brushes past that part which yeah. you think they spend much longer sort of but, digesting and oddly this has been one of the things that has really been picked up by people all over the internet and i don't think we really talked about it actually because people are saying the idea that luke might freak out and kill his nephew because he sensed darkness in him is like the polar opposite of what he does in the return of the jedi They're because like, he's like i sent some good at, yeah I, so i, I must a scrap him. of good of you <laughs> but he is like my here's my dad allowing me to be electrocuted and killed by the emperor and i'm still not gonna you know like and i understand that because that's the sort of end point of his arc over those three films and then they just sort of thought mm, maybe he'd just lose it one day and and i, I get that i think for the fans uh, like what's happened to luke skywalker he's a bit of a role model and seeing the best in people and just having courage and doing the right thing, even acknowledging that it might turn out terribly for you. Whereas this is like Luke saying, you're just the opposite of all those things. But weirdly, I, it didn't bother me that much. I think I think you just don't pick up on it as you're watching it because it moves along so quickly. Well, and by the point you get, by that point in the film, I was already thinking, what is this? <laughs> what is this? And, I were, and nothing was going to surprise me for, at that point, I don't think. And I think those little flashback sequences are kind of confusing. It's weird that they actually show them rather than have them just talk about it. Um, because there's never been a flashback in and Star Wars. That well done. They sort of looked a bit fake. Yeah, I just all of it just didn't. I just didn't sit well. But it was so brief that you kind of don't have time really to process it. But that is that's bothering me now again. I thought I'd kind of settled my demons about this film, and now you're sparking up some no, more. No, no, no. Oh dear. Okay, and we've got a long one here from Ben, and he's given us lots of detail here. Ben Solo. <laughs> oh, finally. No, Ben Ben, someone else. I won't reveal his surname for, you know, privacy reasons, of course. Uh, hey, Super Bros, long time no see, perhaps since Rogue One. Oh, there we go. Possibly, yeah. Maybe we haven't heard from you, Ben, since then. I'm here for round three of a Star Wars theme review. Characters. I think, on the whole, the characters were fairly well portrayed. 
John Boyega did a fairly stoic job this time around, and I found him more endearing than when he repeatedly had to say, my name is, <laughs> so we knew who everyone was. That's true. He doesn't have to do that nearly as much, but I felt like uh, he doesn't really get any character until the very end when he's charging towards that big old laser. Yeah, I, mean, we, I, I thought they'd shanghaied the guy. and I, it, looked like they, it looked like they were going to kill him off. I don't actually know whether I'm using that the right way. But <laughs> just I, say it with confidence. Yeah, I, people know what I mean. As in, I just think it, they just wrecked it. They, they ruined all the promise. They said, well, we're not going to let you be a main character, mate. Sorry. You're going to go off on this side plot and you're going to get a random romance that we don't know anything about. He didn't get much actual humour, though, as well, because that was probably one of his strongest uh, traits was these guys got good timing. Yeah, he's funny, man. And it was well-written comedy. Glad In some ways, I'm glad he didn't because the comedy in this film was not uh, at the right level. But the thing I couldn't really forgive the film for was they made him a coward again, or at least they alluded to it. And that was problematic for me. Mm, Why Then it just undoes the point of the film. In the yeah. first film. Yeah, that's true. That's but true. That's right true. at the end, he turns around and faces Kylo Ren down, even though he knows he's going to die. That's but, impressive, isn't it? I'm like, what? But he and does now, now because... he's like, oh, I'm thinking of. Escaping. But then this is the thing. I feel like they mis- misjudged it because the whole reason he does that is because of Ray, doesn't he? But they didn't sell it like that in the script. That that's not what comes across, is it? They, mm. It's um, they put words in Rose's mouth saying, "Oh, you're running away. I need to stun you." Yeah. And then later on. Finn says he knows all where all the escape pods are held on the Star Destroyer. And she says, of course you do. Which yeah, is, that's The whole annoying. point is, you're Mr. Runaway. You're Mr. Cowardly. Whereas if, like, this is what I was thinking, if they just stuck with the idea that he wants to find Rey, because that's who, that's who he's defended in the, the forest and everything like that. Yeah, like, man, and that made loads of sense. Uh, yeah, so sorry, we won't get sidetracked there. Long email, as I said. Uh, spoiler, he nearly got his heroic moment at the end. There we go. Until he was T-boned by Rose in the skiff. <laughs> I don't even know what that phrase means. That's like uh, in a car crash, you know, when uh, True. like you make a big T. What a terrible moment that was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd rather he'd have gone down and saved the day. I think I agree, although I would have been absolutely gutted not to have him back because I really loved John Berger and I thought Finn was great. What I did like about the T-Bone scene, when I say like, I don't really mean like, is the fact that it's almost like the uh, the car crash equivalent of um, when two people are in bed together and the lady has the, the sheets up above like her neck, whereas the man has it like uh, completely down. She crashes and like it perfectly just opens up her cockpit so they can have a nice conversation. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like there's no, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. issues. She's not like trapped between like That's two poles. That's a good point. So it's just like the perfect... Oh, Oh, I just I just woke up and my hair's like this. Oh, I just crashed and I happened to be able to talk to you and kiss we, you. This is something else we didn't say as well. But that after that, everything about that was almost like a comedy like scene because there was like her comedic, uh, like, you know, like please be dead, please uh, be dead. I know, but like the way she did it was really bad. I thought, and then the editing was all wrong because they showed a scene of her body, potentially her body, being dragged back into the door by someone on foot. And it wasn't Finn dragging her in. It was someone else. So <laughs> she just saved Finn's life. And they just kissed. And it was like, oh, thanks so much. Right, good luck. <laughs> Guys, Finn, there's, some, there's somebody yeah, out there. I, I don't really I'm know not, her, but Don't worry about it if you can't reach her in time. But um, <laughs> if you can, you know, I'm sure she'd appreciate being dragged in. And, like, uh, and, it, and also, it's right in front of all those 8080s. Why I did know. they not just blow them up? If they were easy enough to walk around on foot, they, I mean, literally in the next scene, they blast Luke Skywalker, who's just one man. So, <laughs> yeah. like, Finn can't have been that fast, and they were dragging this girl on a piece of metal. Like, man, I, God, I can't even talk about it. It's just so dumb. I wish it wasn't so dumb. Uh, okay, sorry, Ben. We'll carry on with the email. Kylo Ren is more tolerable now. 
that we know his backstory. Admittedly, three different versions of it. Shame he couldn't have kept the mask as he's far more menacing with it than without. Who doesn't love a masked villain? Yeah, I thought that as well. I was really sad to see that mask get destroyed. And I think that was directly answering fan stuff fan stuff like they yeah. said oh the, the fan like the mask isn't doing well because you know they released it early and disney were really upset because they were saying oh we worked really hard on this mask we didn't want it to be released just yet and i was th- watching force awakens like a little clip of it again i actually think when he first gets introduced he does look quite intimidating and quite interesting yeah in his mask you want with to his know why up. he's got the mask and everything else and the idea that he was just doing it because he's weirdly obsessed with darth vader is quite powerful and not only in this one does his mask get crushed doesn't he smash vader's as well well, I ima- imagine but that. then that, he also says, let the past die. But he, the guy's obsessed with the past. He's obsessed with Darth Vader. Snoke was tremendous. He carries on as a villain, but they gave him such a shallow background and he had none whatsoever. Who was he? How did he come to power? Why does he love gold? <laughs> <laughs> How can he afford the biggest ship I've ever seen in any franchise ever? I think he became a wasted plot device and the writers couldn't decide which fan origin story to go with. So they copped out and didn't even give him one. Same complaint as Ray's parents. Who were they? Is she a Kenobi? No, no, she isn't. She's nothing biggest let down ever. Having said that, if they had given her a more interesting background, I would have complained too. So I can't be pleased nor taken seriously on this point. Now, the uh, Snoke origin, I heard Ryan Johnson say something interesting on this Empire podcast. Inform us, so wise Laurie. Well, again, I think he's an apologist for his own film because he basically said no one knows where the Empire comes from. Or the Emperor came from in the original. He just accepted that he was the boss. Yeah, and but that didn't matter. Darth Vader doesn't kill him in the middle of the second film. Yeah, I think Ryan Johnson, he it was a terrible defence and a tacit admission that he thought, let's just get rid of him. I, basically, he had nothing. He had no creative reasons other than he didn't like it. And he said, Kylo Ren is more interesting. Oh, maybe this wasn't him. Maybe this was someone else commentating on what he'd said. But there's a perception that having Kylo Ren as the villain is way more interesting than a, an Emperor clone. Disagree. I think Kylo Ren was interesting, or and I slightly feel like he has lost his potential now. It was interesting because you genuinely didn't know where the guy stood because yeah. even when he's doing something as awful as killing Han Solo, his own father... There was still a sense of like, maybe there's more to this guy. Maybe he doesn't want to do it. Please help me, he says to his father. Like, and there's a weird moment where he says thank you as well to his dad as he's dying. Yeah, it's like, like the whole guy is, and the fact that he's kind of petulant and emotional. Even in this film, he's got the uh, the whole thing when he's about to kill his mother in the ship. He consents her or whatever, and he's going to shoot her, and then he doesn't. But then the TIE fighters do. It Like the whole thing is that he's he's a conflicted guy. He doesn't know what he wants. He doesn't know who he is. And even when he's like communicating with Ray and suddenly he seems a bit stronger again, you still don't know really where he stands. And I think the one thing which Kylo Ren does do in the process of killing Snoke is you don't know where he stands, but then they immediately undo that by making him Very a cartoonish explicit. villain saying, yeah. just fire Join everything me. at this guy, blow him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all angry and silly. And it just, it, it ruins the potential. I mean, there's nowhere for his character really to go Well, now. some people are saying there's no way he can survive The Last Jedi. There's just no way back from what he's done and the decisions that he's made. And I basically think, actually, it's been funneled down a very specific path. And I, all I can see happening is a sacrifice at the end. So he'll just give himself up one way or the other. So he'll die and sort of redeem himself. Do you think so? I think I think no. that's the only thing open to the, the guy. The thing is, is I don't like him as a just an out-and-out villain. He's just It just doesn't interest me. Because why do you like he's so blatantly evil now? I don't think he is. With no sort of sense of joy in it. No, no, but yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think he seems sort of 
twisted down a path because he had conviction, didn't he, when he asked Ray to join him? And anyway, we're kind of getting lost. Let me we? just wait, say one point about Snoke before we move on. Yeah, I feel like this is my silly fan theory. I feel like the guy might be revived somehow. You reckon? Yeah. I think that's the only way Too to chunky. really make it interesting. And you know that whole Darth Plagueis, is he is he the, oh, the master of uh, Mr. Palpatine or whatever it is, uh, who could revive the dead or with using the Force? I think maybe, I wonder, maybe that would redeem something if he was so powerful that he couldn't die. Yeah. I think what's it, uh, the other thing is that on Ray there, Ben, is uh, Ryan Johnson also was saying, you know, his his message that he felt was really important about the force not just belonging to the skywalkers and everything else was really important and so that's one of the reasons he felt that was really strong and he really wanted it there for ray he's made it very overt in the film and i I, you know whatever the uh, the more i listened to that interview the more i thought this guy did have some really strong ideas that he wanted to do but they were a bit bad he executed them really badly and they weren't that good and the whole thing about oh it's really great that um Ray's parents aren't there, you know, aren't anyone special. And we have Chimney Sweet Boy at the end because, you know, this is something that's symbolized to him. And so now he can be a Jedi as well. And anyone can have the force. You know, that, it reminds me of something that a Red Letter Media guy said ages ago, which is that imaginations work differently than you think. You know, a kids don't need to see little kids in a film to imagine themselves playing a part in the no, film. No, they want to be a hero. They want to yeah. be the... So the super powerful guy. If you want, you want to see how most people take the films. Just look at all the people who hate what you did to Luke Skywalker, Ryan Johnson, because he was that guy. So it wasn't that they felt, oh, I can never be a Skywalker. I'm so gutted because I wasn't born into the Jedi. The Jedi aren't real. No, the point was Luke Skywalker was just a random kid who discovered something inside him that was great. And it wasn't because he was super special even, because he could have messed it all up. Actually, the most important thing about Luke... Is his was character. The deci- yeah, the decisions that he made, not the power that was within him. That's especially the entire though, point of the film. Especially he didn't understand his, clearly. his own father is like the villain for <laughs> yeah, the film. Yeah, like, do you see what I mean? It's just like, it's... I understand what he's trying to do, but it just makes me think he just doesn't get it. He didn't. He never understood. And, and all the prequels the as well have loads of Jedi in, loads and loads. Like Obi Wan Kenobi is not Skywalker. Yeah, they're from all like aliens all over the galaxy. Hardly any aliens in this film, and like, and they're all Xenophobic. weird, random. Yeah. <laughs> they have that weird Plo Koon guy gets blown up in a ship. Remember him? Yeah, yeah, he's the weird boss guy, not yeah. Kit Fisco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, tentacle man. Uh, and I, I, do you know like? He can say, I've got this amazing message that's so empowering and amazing. He's got an American voice. I just want to empower so many people. Like, whatever, mate, you, you, you messed it up instead. In fact, what you've done is you've irritated loads and loads of people. Because you destroyed a hero. Because, you've yeah, you didn't have any subtlety in what you wanted to do. It, anyway, I could... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it sounds like I imagine you listening to this uh, interview and you were just there like... Aah! I wasn't that angry, actually. I, I felt a lot a lot more sort of sympathy, if that, as that's not too patronising to say. Well, because the because guy's tried his hardest and Can it's you rubbish. imagine what it's like to be in the centre of that store, mate? No, I can't. For years and years, you'll miss the Star Wars. You literally can't say anything or you'll be sued. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's got it's a very lonely... This... Yeah, Lonelier than a boy on Tatooine. The pressure must have been ridiculous, especially when he's writing it. Um, and the sort of advice he's getting from the studio heads and stuff like he would have been feeling on eggshells the whole time apparently he was nervous about it because people saying it's going to be dark and he was thinking actually I've made it really like jokey and you know and I so I've got sympathy because it's really hard to make to write something and do something creative but then how has he ended up with the job yeah it just just looks like he wasn't the man for it it sounds like they did like a like a I don't know bring your kid to work day and like said (laughs) have a go at this 
That's yeah. A lot of Why don't you try using that. the nuclear power plant? Oh, you melted it all down. Huh. Well, never mind. Unlucky Jimmy. We've got the money to build another. It's really good that you tried. Right, sorry. You had good intentions. Ben, here we go. Keep going. <laughs> sorry. Luke was pretty amazing human Yoda, but super grumpy. I would have loved to see more from Luke from the expanded universe where he's a complete awesome guy and could have slapped Kylo Ren into the next movie, but they played it a bit safe. Alex Guinness, or Alec Guinness, Alex Guinness. Alex Guinness. <laughs> He's a different character. And David Prowse got more action in episode four. Yeah, I bet uh, Mark Hamill was very disappointed because it would appear that he got himself in some seriously good shape for the film. I think he had to, that was contractual. But yeah, but then he just went out. Don't want a fat leak. <laughs> like, he just faded away on a mountain in the end. Like, and all he did was stand still. Having been on the toilet and found it very difficult. That, I can't, <laughs> I know that was like meant to be this super emotional scene, but like, honestly, the way they framed the with shot, he's there like shaking his head. Head, sweating really hard <laughs> and he's literally sat down floating in the air I just thought the guy's going to poo himself oh no <laughs> can you imagine um, yeah I yeah, I think um, the expanded universe stuff you know anyone who's ever read any of the books as I did when I was a teenager will know that it just seemed a much more obvious progression he just was trying to figure stuff out and he still got things wrong but he had a vision and he was going for it um, and this the whole one, idea of a master mm. failing is interesting, yeah. but it doesn't mean that their character like self-destructs, shatters yeah. into a million pieces. That's right. Uh, he says Yoda was nice, but a bit gratuitous. Where were Obi Wan and Qui Gon Jinn, or even Anakin? Good question. Indeed, Good question. Indeed. Why wouldn't Darth Vader turn up and say, "Oh, what under this guy?" <laughs> you know, that would have been funny. <laughs> your nephew is talk, weird. yeah, talk about your grandkids. <laughs> Could you imagine uh, if they put Hayden Christensen in though? As, I would uh, love. I would have loved that. Would, would you, you not actually have loved have that? Done? Yeah, I would love to see Hayden Christensen back. I bet he wouldn't love it. No, I think he wants to put that firmly behind him. I do wonder why they haven't used uh, Liam Neeson at all because he's I feel like his character is very untouched. I just but... saw the commuter this morning. Trust me, he's down for anything, mate. <laughs> <laughs> He'll do anything. Yeah. No, but seriously, I think um, it seems like Disney really does not want to go anywhere near the prequels at, at all. Let's pretend they didn't And exist, I think they yeah. kind of forget the fact that even though those films are really flawed, people do have strong feelings about them and they really have seen them and like enjoyed some elements of them and there's characters there that they could use and redeem. Like I think... It, like if you're reinventing the wheel like use some of the elements like re-piece together fix things there was an opportunity there for sure other fun things the royal guards were cool but designs should have been left as they were in Return of the Jedi these are far too let's sell toys at Christmas yeah fair play I agree just a slight design change but still red the design of the ships were pretty awesome the mega class star destroyer yes that's what they actually called it facepalm <laughs> really was I suppose they had the super star destroyer and now they've got the mega star I honestly destroyer. don't know why they didn't just make a super star destroyer like super star destroyers were massive and intimidating and scary yeah. and it would have connected with the audience massively oh there's they built another one but this was a bit weird I thought it was a bit tacky actually it uh, looked kind it of like wider. Um, it was more like from another sci-fi series yeah it didn't seem to fit the look of all the other ships like the super sleek. star destroyer was kind of like let's take the star destroyer and make it super it was like long and like a big arrow darting or like a shard yeah. um i felt it reminded me of these uh those spy planes you know the ones which are weirdly shaped kind of like a weird sort of apostrophe or something uh yes you know what i mean i do i think yeah i didn't like it It was like a weird v no i agree with you on that one uh ben is saying he really loved the design so we must have missed something i have to say at this point something i didn't mention in the review was that i was actually quite disappointed by a lot of the cgi and something that has baffled me is that everyone seems to be saying it oh it looks great it's really beautiful but it's not very good people often preface a negative review by saying it looks good i didn't think it i don't think it really did look that good i mean you know i reviewed hostiles on last week's show that was so much more beautiful. Like that was breathtaking, and I was impressed by it. Did you not think the uh, the moment with the, the light speed 
ship attack that looked beautiful it was a good concept but i mean it was fine the thing is I, I i don't remember what it looked like and didn't strike me and i thought wow that's some shot i didn't think that because it was all just cgi you know what i mean like I'd, i didn't get it and a lot of people are talking about how beautiful it was in the uh, 8080s uh, to the setting sun on the salt planet or whatever and luke skywalker walking but again out. i just think well you know what like i can do stuff on like my graphics program as well <laughs> do you know like, i didn't i think there's some skill in sh- like framing it well and yeah, coming no, up with the is, idea of it, it didn't all. strike me as really impressive that's the thing i don't get like star wars has is it the original trilogy is a totally different caliber when it comes to iconic shots composition and stuff yeah and i think what's interesting is it doesn't have um it still fits that sort of serial tone, even the, amongst all of that. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it somehow manages to be both beautiful and not trying to be epic. Yeah, well, that's the it's the epic thing that I'm not so keen on because if you think about it, like, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, which you can't avoid drawing comparisons to. If I think of visuals that are immediately strike me, a lot of them are towards the end of that conflict, and you have like the Luke's battle with Darth Vader is nothing but incredible shots and incredible. And it's to do with the lighting and all yeah, sorts. Yeah, and they're actually very claustrophobic, like the. Um, place where Han Solo gets frozen with its red lighting and stuff and and it and the way that they frame them up and down stairs and they use shadow that is like a million times more iconic than anything in this film it, it, similarly when he drops down and he's in that tunnel with the lighting mm. that's amazing and then when he's hanging off the um the cloud city when he's uh, the bit where he's clinging onto the pylon saying I'll never join you like if you look at that, those are really 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 good beautiful shots what Ryan Johnson and co have done it's, it's like graphic design again. It's negative space. It's wallpapers yeah, on desktops. Man, it's just, I don't get it. I don't get what people are impressed by anymore, man. I feel sad talking. Do you about feel out of touch and like I do. a little I do. afraid? I feel like I wish I could be impressed by that, but what, I don't understand what's impressive about it. I don't know. I think there's. I can kind of see both sides. I think it's not as hard. I think the film's graf- grasping for like moments. I think often rather yeah. than just telling the story and trying to tell it creatively and visually. Uh, in an interesting way. Uh, he's got a couple of other ships that he really loves. And then he says, also, both sides seem to be the worst funded military organisations in history. No, no, no. Take out the funded bit because it doesn't matter. Like, the worst military... <laughs> yeah, There's both, I think. Yeah. But he said there were so few ships involved. It looked like they were both Kickstarters that only received 24% <laughs> funding. <laughs> uh, I think I said this in the actual review. I felt like it was almost like this galactic war going on was like a side point it was like a these two a tiny ships chasing each other in uh, in sort of two remote countries that nobody cares about in the rest of the world they're just getting on with their life um and that's not the way that the original trilogy set up or any of the star wars films set up this conflict it's always been on a galactic scale that's the thing and this is something that was done really again incredibly well in the first few films because one of the ways that the yavin base was shot which i thought was interesting was that you never felt like you were getting the full scale of it. Actually, it was a forest planet, so you didn't really see much. It was hidden. And the shots inside the hangars were tended to be really like close-ups of ships. You didn't you never got the scale. The closest you came to it was that briefing where they were all pilots. And I could believe that the Rebel Alliance might only have, what is that, like a couple of hundred pilots or something like that of this sort. Not even that, like it's like 25, 30. Yeah, that that kind of made sense. And it's because 
it was the Death Star, like, and this tiny band of rebels fighting it off. I believed that it was a skirmish. The Galactic Empire was represented by this huge. That's not well. That's not a moon. That's a space station. And the rebels were this tiny little thing. Then in in the Empire again, actually the Hoth base. It was just shot in the kind of the same way. You didn't see a lot of it, did you? But there was there was always other people around. There was all these other ships. Yeah. It wasn't like you could kind of get them all in one room even though that kind of does. It was always implied that there was more going on and there was more stories happening rather than just the one narrative. That's right, yeah. So and, it felt like there was a lot in the background. And yeah. I think we've mentioned this line so many times, but that bit, that little moment in the Hoth battle when they say, the first ship, the first transport it's is away, away. And everyone goes, yeah. Like that makes the, the whole thing feel like a, an actual thing, like a, not just a, a little club. Yeah, that's right. And the briefings, anyway, yeah, we have said this before, haven't we? Now, Ben has got a lot more to say, Phil. Uh, he's got biggest complaints. So I'm going to try and rattle through some of these. Okay, biggest complaints. Things are going to get a bit nerdy here, so apologies in advance. Space physics, parabolic space lasers. They should be flying in straight lines. It's the same problem as the bombardment cannons in Force Awakens. Cannons are not homing proton torpedo launchers. Sorry. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> yep, everyone arcs. feels strongly about the arc. Yep, the bombardment cannons, which when they do hit the base, go off like a firecracker instead of a nuke. A battle group of star destroyers can level entire continents. A star dreadnought would be able to do it alone. It basically tickled a hill in Wales and the hill didn't even move <laughs> you know I thought that myself it's like one of the reasons they have to send the ATATs to Hoth is because there's the shield that's the entire point like that, and that's why they had the iron, iron cannon has to shoot through the shield they say prepare to open shield so they can shoot the iron cannon and what do the ATATs do the first thing they do they try the and blow up the shield generator blow up the shield generator whereas these guys just go to a moon that has like nothing but a big door in it right yeah. they don't have another way out it's just a big door a cave with a door on it so the Star Destroyers didn't need to send anything down to blow them all up and like, that's the time when I feel like, actually, why not just redo Hoth, but in a different sort of way? Like, have them, like, have it again, give the, them a reason for that, sending those little sand skipper things yeah, out. They actually, literally did nothing. No, they, they were completely pointless. Did they even have weapons? I'm not sure they did. <laughs> like, and uh, they, why would you not at that point just include more rebels? Like, have people already at the base. Or have the, the call to arms for people to actually join the rebellion work, and then loads of people come, and there's an actual skirmish rather than it just being Ray and a Millennium Falcon getting rid of an entire fleet of star like uh, tie fighters it was a strange move to say no one came like i don't know what they would because the whole point is that. they're meant to be sparking a rebellion aren't they oh, but we're the fire that will light the spark oh. that will light the like why is it three steps removed just say we're a match and it blows up the whole universe Man, it's you know it's weird it's weird it's weird um bomb bay doors without atmospheric control yes we just talked about that x-wing stunts while absolutely amazing seemed a little gratuitous i agree with that poe at the beginning that was another weird thing they should have had him flying an x-wing way more i I, this is again in my little fix get the guy actually being a good pilot showing some talent and skill i'll tell you about uh, what i thought about that was um particularly with that sequence they basically did shots that we've seen before which is okay and i found myself thinking actually there may not be that many more ways to shoot an x-wing because they basically copy Luke's Death Star trenchy stuff. He said it wasn't the Death Star, but it was the flying over the surface and shooting towers. Shooting the towers, yeah. And that we've seen that, and they, they seem to be happy to copy that. And that made me worried at the beginning. And actually, J.J. Abrams only used them on, like, a river planet, didn't he? Which was very different. Yeah, that's true. Um, Rogue One, it was a bit more classic. It was sort of Return of the Jedi. And I wonder whether they're a little bit hamstrung, actually. Well, they don't really know how to make it more interesting. Because otherwise, you've seen it before, haven't you? So... It's hard to know how to make I that I think work. basically it's, it's you've got to show them actually, you've got to try and make it so you feel like you know what it's like being in an X-Wing. Yeah. Because often like these are shot with like intercutting. Why not just follow one X-Wing in a battle and actually just show them like dealing with different situations? I don't know. I feel like there's things you could do. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
Spoiler, the ramming manoeuvre, which Admiral Holdo pulls towards the end. Lovely way to kill off the paleobotanist from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, Laura Dern. They could have used the medical frigate instead. Yeah, good point. Why not use a droid? Why not? We've said there were so many problems with that, other than the fact that it worked all right. Um, she should have done it sooner. People have pointed out well, they could have just done that with the Death Star or Starkiller base. Instead of Han Solo ridiculously managing to pull out of hyperspace just inside the shield of Starkiller base. Just fly right through that thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. I, I just there are problems that came with that. I was under the impression most ion-driven starships had perpetual fuel sources. Can't imagine someone having to pull over his star destroyer for a pit stop. So the entire rebel ship running out of fuel was a bit silly. Yeah, also, I always thought that was a bit strange. Two hours, fifteen minutes of the movie driving in a straight line. I mean, come on. Even Empire Strikes Back had the courtesy to do that off screen. We talked about this. Empire Strikes Back did this like, uh, incalculably better. It was a chase, yes, but they actually made it interesting. There were set pieces, there were differences in location. The way they get away is not by just keeping on flying to try and get to a base. They pretended to be garbage, didn't they? They pretended to be garbage. They latched themselves onto the thing. They flew through the Star Destroyers. They went into an asteroid belt. Yeah. They hid away in like a monster's cave. They made Star Destroyers collide into each other. And then and then the nature of the chase changes because it's Boba Fett who is wise and chases them down for profit, isn't it? A bounty hunter. So like, it's just, you can't even really compare the two things. Got to add to this, Ben. You know, when you when you push something in space, it just keeps on going. No friction. So actually, you just need to do a little they pulse. They didn't need to use any fuel to move. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all I have to say on that. Uh, how did this guy write this film? Yeah, biggest peeve of all, he says, General Hux. Why does he exist? Why does he have to scream like a 12-year-old? He was and remains the worst casting decision since Jar Jar Binks. Why did the First Order think that he'd be an effective commander of their armed forces? Their HR department screwed up, and he's got an impression of the HR department. We've got three candidates for the role of commander, TCs and generals with decades of military experience and naval commissions, and the wild card, who's a screaming vitriolic Goebbels impersonate it, but he is cheap. Snoke, I'll take him. We're only 24% funded on Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just think, I feel bad because Donald Gleeson is a good actor. He's proven himself on many occasions that he knows how to act and he can do a character. I I just think he's pitched wrong. I think he was just about bearable in The Force Awakens. I wasn't a fan of him in general. I thought he was a bit too snivelly. But in this film, he becomes... Um, he becomes like a sidekick com- comedy character. The bit which really made me worried was, or actually just not like his character, was when Kylo Ren like pushes him away and he's like, yes, sir. I just thought that was that was awful. Whereas I did like the moment when you see him looking at Kylo Ren having been defeated by Rey and he considers getting his blaster out and killing him and yeah. then he puts it away. That was a good character moment, which was played in a way which was serious and interesting and a bit dangerous. But uh, currently the guy is just bankrupt in terms of his credibility yeah i agree, I agree. and this well i talked a bit about this with john spiro and you'll hear that uh, in the interview because i i really like donald gleason i even kind of like his character because i believe that the first order given that they do this whole thing of brainwashing kids is it to serve something like that i yeah. believe that they might be made up of lots and lots of young people who've eventually been effectively being conscripted in and and they are kind of weirdly uh, vitriolic and uh, over the top because that's kind of what's sort of like neo Nazis and that kind of thing. The thing that I think defeats him, uh, not just in this, but I think even in The Force Awakens, is they, they overcommitted to that like Nazi image and they made it, it's too much. It's like the black, shiny stuff and 
like it was so they had to be so cartoon villainy it reminded me of the people out of the hunger games right like that it was the dressing that wrecked it and and this is just Do you even think so? worse in even in, even in indiana jones like they've they're kind of cartoony nazis yeah but indiana they jones still fit, is, though. is actually like a fun adventure film so whereas this none of the this just isn't is it it's not really a fun adventure film i don't, I don't think it's Maybe it's I'm a wrong serious about adventure film with it is really serious. wacky jokes. Off-colour jokes, yeah. Uh, but Positives, he does have the score. I downloaded it at midnight last night and I've listened to it all the way through a few times. It is superb. New themes mixed into the memorable ones from The Force Awakens, but a very good Star Wars score. Sits in number three after Empire and Revenge of the Sith for me. Have you heard, uh, there's a guy on YouTube uh, who I should credit, but I don't know the name off the top of my head, but he basically looked at how the scores and themes were composed for Kylo Ren and right. uh, Rey. And basically what he observed is that these these characters have a bit of everything, all the themes combined. And uh, his this guy's conjecture was basically, John Williams has kind of worked out these guys don't know what they're doing. And so he, as a composer, has decided to throw in a little bit of everything so that he can twist and tweak it no to way. fit whatever it comes up in the next film. Do you think that's really film. true? Well, I slightly wonder. The guy's a very good composer and he composed oh, for Star Wars. What's interesting is that he... Um, he, he discusses all the, the themes in Star Wars and how they're used and how in the new new films, The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens, it's the Force theme that becomes like the main theme of Star Wars and not the actual theme of Star Wars. Yeah. And like, it's a really interesting video. Maybe we could tweet it out afterwards. But I think you'd that. love it, Laurie. It's a really it in-depth... You've already piqued my interest, man. I'm it, on it. And it, it, this is one of the... It's one of the most revealing things to me, the score. And I don't know whether it says a lot about John Williams getting older or not because I really enjoyed the score. I'm going to need to listen to it, Ben. I'm taking your record recommendation really seriously there but i just think like even the prequels have got some amazing themes and they are universally acknowledged basically to not be very good films so what is it that john williams saw in those films that he is not seeing here and i think basically the answer is direction ca- yeah direction and, ca- and characters and vision and imagination like in <laughs> the phantom menace had the, the pod race which barely had any music in it right but it had um it had darth maul and it had the jewel of the fate you know that's where jewel of the fates came from there were so many themes that just just really 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 work like even the um, battle droids and the trade federation can you hum that song like you can just see the music really tells a story there and it, it, the music is feeding from the visuals and the vision as much as the I other mean, way around maybe john jo- john lucas george lucas was a uh, much better because it's all on him he was like oh these guys are going to be this and that and i need this sort of thing maybe he because he had the overalls overall story i can't believe basically disney don't have an overall story for the last jedi and and don't have a kind of where is this going? Well, How has that it, not been discussed? Well, I think it gives them a lot of flexibility to use market research, mate, doesn't it? It means that they can look at the data, the data. They the can data. look at the social media stupid graphs. It means uh, what's they can going well. Run focus. <laughs> Imagine if the next film has no jokes in it because everyone's like, no to the I jokes. Bet, I want to. I bet you money even now that we'll see some direct responses to the fo- the fan in quotes backlash guaranteed. Um, do you reckon they're getting panicking? Getting J.J. Abrams back, number one. Do you reckon they're panicking a bit? I don't think they're panicking, mate. They're, they're absolute billionaires. They own everything. They own Fox. 
they basically we have to watch Disney at this point. Even if Star Wars goes down, they can just burn it and sell everything else that they own. It's no problem. It's yeah. uh, the the closest parallel in the corporate world. EA Games, I think. Yeah. Sorry to say. Right, let me finish this off, Ben. Sorry, we've really rambled all over your email, but it's because you're saying a lot of interesting things. You're really sparking, sparking the conversation. Yourself, yeah. Heavy assault walkers, he says. I wasn't sure initially, but the look suits them, especially when they hunker down to fire at the base on crate. Those are sort of upgraded AT-ATs. The structure of the film was very reminiscent of Empire and Jedi, contrasted to the Force Awakens, which mixed hope and empire. It strikes me they've recycled all they have into two movies, and the last showdown on crate between Luke and Kylo could have happily summed up the new story arc for me. With the entire rebellion on board the Falcon and Carrie Fisher no longer with us, but Leia somehow still alive, I'm wondering where they can actually go in episode nine. And you'll know, Ben, that we agree with all of your points there. Overall, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't pleasantly surprised either. I wasn't the biggest fan of The Force Awakens, far preferring Rogue One, and I, but I am going to see it again tonight to see if it can swat me on a second viewing. Swat, I sway, I think that must be an autocorrect uh, mistake. Apologies for the length. No, thank you. This is exactly what we wanted. This is what this special episode is for. Long, you know, over the top Digesting emails. what you guys think and make it. It is amazing how much range there's been yep. in uh, in liking it, but not quite. I think it's it ha- nobody I think yet has said out and out they loved it that's what I've found you're absolutely right he says keep up the good work Ben okay here's one from Dan hi there just heard your review of Last Jedi and it's a plus one to both of you I love Star Wars as much as anyone but I have been finding these latest set of films frustrating to watch and it's not until I heard your reviews that I know why now okay well I'm glad we managed to shed some light I hope that hasn't made you sadder though I get the impression we have made others sadder the film made it sad we just revealed the sadness (laughs) yeah Uh, While I loved all the nostalgia of these latest films, that was completely lacking from the prequels. I even loved the Easter eggs. That's a new term for me, but guess they are in there for the fan geeks. But what lets this this film down is the story. At least with the prequels, there seems to be a story and some direction. This is what we've been saying, man. But I feel with this lot, they are just making up as they go along. Well, they definitely are. They've admitted it. Yeah, Ryan Johnson has said, like, yeah, guys, there's no plan for this. Uh, which brings me to my new, uh, next question. Are they making up from film to film? Has someone sat down and said, right, three films, this is how it will play out? Or do they just make a film and see how things go and then write the next? Well, you're We've saying... We've all of this, haven't we? I yeah, know, sorry. we're on it. Def- like, come on, it's Disney. There is no way that they're not going to do that. I don't doubt they'll say, oh, we had a vision after the third one is out. That'll be all over the press because people want to hear that this is a, an actual story, not just a flipping commercial exercise. I'm just surprised. Like, I, I think they, they've done well in getting J.J. Abrams back because if you didn't like uh, The Last Jedi, at least you feel, well, at least this is guy, he's got the vision from the very first He seems film. to understand Star Wars a bit better, certainly. Uh, he goes on to say, I did love Rogue One and feel you were a little harsh with it, but you were spot on on saying that the whole plan to steal the Death Star plans being rejected by the Rebels was a joke. What does he? I'm not sure what he means there. I think he's uh, referring to the fact that when they go to that base to try and get the plans at the end of Rogue One, this is after Jin's, you know, oh, incredibly emotional impact. Oh, speech. yeah, they go because... Um, Rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> and uh, They don't get tough... the, like, the Rebels' consent no, no, to do it. They make a ragtag team. The commanders all say no, but then somehow she persuades like the burliest people I've ever seen to come along with a commander who gets himself flipping blown up what are you doing mate uh, and, and then Mon Mothra smiles it's this weird thing about the rebels they love when people disobey them and all die that's their favourite <laughs> thing I don't get it well Dan Clee does because he says they are rebels in all other Star Wars films they're game so what's with them chicking out of this one a real letdown yeah you're right he's saying what on earth would they why would they not go and like steal the plans or try and do something the whole point is they take on the big bullies that's and don't their business care. if they know there are plans and they know there's a flaw 
How about go get them? Anyways, I won't get started on Last Jedi as you have said it all. The world has gone Star Wars mad, <laughs> it seems. They could have filmed a fart and called it Star Wars and people will watch it. Keep up the good work. Love the show. <laughs> wow. Star Wars The Last Fart. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways, that uh, out the fart awakens. That's more cynical than anything we've said, but um, kind of right on the money. You know, the Star Wars brand is very powerful, and Disney know it. That's why they can go on and on about IP, horrible poison words, intellectual was, property. Was there a fart joke in the the Last Jedi? Was there? Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. Was it's there? the kind of thing that would have made it into? That's that why. Script. That's why I mean. Like that's the sort of thing. That's the kind of caliber. I think they joke. sort of jumped the shark with the nipples thing. Um, the alien nipples. <laughs> the milk. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Good one. One here from Martin. Thanks very much for getting in touch. He calls himself the other Martin. Hey, bros. Many congrats on making it to 100. The montage of the two of you sniping at each other had me beaming all morning. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> us fighting, Phil. Yeah, do check out the 100th episode. Uh, thanks so much for all those people who've been supportive. Yeah. Now, the pair of you have been unfairly grumpy about many of the biggest films of this last year. Rogue One, Dunkirk, Blade Runner 2049, all much better than your sniffy reviews deserved. Oh, gosh. <laughs> However, when it comes to The Last Jedi, I am with you all the way. It was two and a half hours of eye-rolling for me. I can't believe we returned to prequel levels of idiocy. I thought we were past this. I'm not sure if I'm more angry or disappointed. I'd like to stick up for the principal cast. They're brilliant. Uh, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, yes, and Daisy Ridley. But what Johnson has done with the franchise is unforgivable. So much that I hated. I won't bang on, but the direction was so poor. There was so little real threat that during the Ray Wren fight scene, I was totally distracted by the ridiculous costumes and dance poses of the Imperial Guards. There you go, Power Rangers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Plus one to Phil for suggesting Admiral Akbar should have made the ultimate and ultimately pointless sacrifice. Brilliant call. Is it the worst Star Wars film? I don't know, but I certainly won't be rewatching it or any of the prequels to find out. It's interesting. It hasn't done that well in the box office in some ways. It's still a massive film, hasn't it? That's the, I think that's quite a typical feeling. Yeah. Well, you know, and if he's saying that he's annoyed with us for not you know raving about Blade Runner and Rogue One Dunkirk but he's on board with us on this one then it re- do you know what it really must be bad because <laughs> you and I didn't particularly like those films and we tried to give good reasons why and lots of people disagreed with us but it's been interesting we've not had anyone really email us and say you're totally wrong no I th- yeah that's just the way it is I feel like maybe maybe it's a one of those things though where they the people who have really enjoyed it are very much getting the sense that lots of people have genuine issues with the film and so they don't want to say outright they loved it because they don't want to kind of have to bear the the shame of it all if that makes sense yeah i will possibly that yeah okay i'm going to finish off listeners thank you very much for sending all of these in uh with a short one we got a website comment phil very rare occurrence for us but wes says i just don't understand how this film is scoring so highly you guys have it right so there's a little small what a lovely little comment thank you wes on the website Alistair got in touch quite a few times. He kind of got an emotional roller coaster here, Phil. Oh, no. To begin with, he says, At Super Betty Bros, saw The Last Jedi last night and have to say it left me a bit confused and with mixed feelings. That very much echoes my neighbour. Um, I'll come back to him in a minute. He said the same thing. He's a big Star Wars fan, goes to the conventions and things. There's no doubt it's a very different film to The Force Awakens and better with some fantastic set pieces and some new tricks, but left me a bit cold. More views required. Now, hold on to that thought from Alistair, listeners, because he does come back to say... 
Just listen to your last Jedi spoiler and have to say I probably agree with all your points that there is so many wrong scenes, awful humour and so many questions but I am going to see it again tomorrow and give it another chance. I've just got a bad feeling. So yeah, bear, bear that in mind listeners because we'll come back to Alice's thoughts. Nicholas says, let me reassure you, you're not alone. This review is everything that I came to expect and love about you guys unlike The Last Jedi which, and I don't think I've ever said that about a movie before, ruined The Force Awakens and maybe even the previous other seven movies. <laughs> he goes on to agree uh, with Alistair I think the more I think about it the less I like it and all the positive reviews can't convince me otherwise this movie threw away everything uh, that uh, the Star Wars before it had established BB-8 X Machina he says <laughs> oh yeah as in I, rather than that was X. so annoying that was so annoying I cannot believe that that scene where he just pops up suddenly and he's he's piloting a chicken walker which yeah coincidentally blows off the top so that you know it's BB-8. I know, very helpful, isn't oh, it? It's, and then also the coin thing, like the guy putting coins in him and then he fires it out and takes out that all those guards. That was the weirdest scene it was like It was like those bits in uh, the prequels with that, uh, that, R2-D2. More than anything, that made me think of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And you remember that scene where they send Groot to sneak around. Do you remember that bit from oh, Prison yeah, Cell? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That really reminded me of that, and I thought, whoa, this is weird. This doesn't feel like Star Wars. And I, because I'd never liked those RTD2 bits either. I don't know anyone does. Do children like them? I don't I Maybe, maybe. As Stephen says, have to say, lads, we agree with your depressing spoiler episode. <laughs> Went to see Star Wars tonight, <laughs> and I'm normally easily pleased by films, but found it totally flat and disappointing. So much potential for all the backstory with Ray and Kylo completely wasted. Uh, at this point, I'd like to reassure you, listeners, uh, I tweeted, um, I think Front Row Radio 4, the presenter of that, Samira Ahmed, who wrote an incredible point-by-point breakdown of what is wrong with The Last Jedi, and she basically was on board with it all. And she also said, Kung Fu Panda's way better, so this is someone with whom I can fully agree, Phil. <laughs> she says, thank you, I really do think Kung Fu Panda is a masterpiece. <laughs> uh, so it's worth having a look at uh, her article. It's a very good one. Stephen linked to... Uh, a Twitter sort of moments catalogue of lots of people who agree. Alison got in touch saying what motivated a musicologist to study the motifs of Star Wars. She's linked an article on Chronicle, which may be what you're referring to. It, it probably is linked. It's probably not the first person who's looked at the music because I think the music in Star Wars is probably the most consistently brilliant part of it all. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Um, Alistair, here he comes again. This is part uh, three, is it? Saw the Last Jedi again today, lads. And unusually, I actually liked it a lot more the second time. Interesting. Still has flaws, clunky, unfunny scenes, Casino Planet and Leia doing a Mary Poppins, but some fantastic sequences like the Snoke Chamber, Salt Planet and the Lightspeed Ramming. That is interesting. Again, bear that in mind. Uh, Nicholas is saying it's not my Star Wars. Some fans even created a position to remove the film from the canon, but he puts a big lol after that. Yeah, uh, right. Is that happening? Yeah. I said, you know, it does show the here's force the, of vitriol, though. Here's the question. Would you rather get the opportunity to remake the prequels or remake The Last Jedi? Last Jedi. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, the prequels, they're an important... Uh, milestone I think because they were problematic but if you can make something worse than that you know do you know what I mean I think they're an important benchmark interesting that's really interesting if you got your thoughts on that I'd be interested to hear would you remake The Last Jedi if you didn't like it mm. assuming would you remake The Last Jedi or would you remake the prequels here we go man Alistair Part 4 <laughs> saw The Last <laughs> Jedi for the third time this week wowzers and it really improved for me and now I am a huge fan yes it still has flaws but overall it's a great Star Wars film with some brave decisions made by Johnson and fits well into the Star Wars canon roll on JJ Star Wars in 2019 now Alistair, I'm going to ask the question you do it okay is that you willing to like it? Is that you convincing yourself? No, I, I can't be. I, I can't not like Star Wars. Star Wars is good. I will like it. 
I have to admit, Alistair, that, you know, feel free to argue with us because I, I, I've got no idea what's going on in your head there. But the fact that my neighbor basically said the same thing and he's watched it three times. And this to me, that's unnerving to me because people are also using the same language and they're referring to the same things. And either that means those things are really great or it means that there's a narrative here that's being spun that people are just having to accept because the alternative is such a depressing thought. Breaks new ground. Yeah, so you've got to say Ryan Johnson, who made some really brave decisions, a.k.a. you can you can make a similar word. It's like take away the R and the V and the E and add a D and you've got bad decisions. <laughs> bad decisions. <laughs> Not brave. Bad. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I, the th- this is the thing. And there are, there are no films where you need to have to watch them three times to appreciate them. Do you not think there are some films which you can appreciate on multiple viewings? Can, they? not should. That's It should true. not take three, two and a half hour sessions to think this is good. No. no. That means you're, you are convincing yourself. I am convinced of that. <laughs> you said that very grandly. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I am convinced of that. It's like Morpheus or something. <laughs> Morpheus. What a good guy. I love that guy. Machines. <laughs> We are still here. I love that guy. <laughs> uh, I tweeted another guy who wanted a podcast to listen to, um, and he listened. He said, "Loved it, fellas." Even though it stirred up dormant feelings about the last Jedi had suppressed after the third viewing, consider me subscribed and in a mild state of Kylo Ren emo anger. And that's uh, from Matthew Rogers. Uh, lo- lo- loads of those people getting in touch. Um, uh, thank you for all of this, and I hope that it's been interesting going over the emails and things. And you know. But there's a certain point where you just had enough of talking and thinking about Star Wars. And I admit, I'm not eagerly anticipating a rerun of all this for episode nine. But if I can trust anyone to spin something interesting out of this mess, probably J.J. Abrams, although he certainly is someone whose skill would appear to be more... Launching. In, yeah. And he's a launcher, setup. mystery boxer. He doesn't really, he's not really answering the mystery boxes in many of his top draw films. I mean, I'm that's hoping, one of the things about Super 8, right? The conclusion was less interesting. I'm hoping that basically with the the, the strong might of Disney uh, insisting on some good resolutions, they're going to put a lot of money and time into the writing. And um, Get Lawrence I Kasdan think, back. I yeah, I think they will Ryan do. Ryan Johnson just ditched it. What and I think doing? probably what they'll do is they'll use the film to introduce new ideas and then answer them in the same film. I think they'll kind of say... Right. Well, we have no, no threads, so let's let's generate some threads right from the get go, and then we'll f- conclude it well. And maybe they'll just try and find some ways to link it to the previous films. Mm. Oh man! So uh, yeah, I'm getting Star Wars fatigue even <laughs> right now. But there we go, listeners. There are your emails and tweets. If you're still thinking about the Last Jedi, we still want to hear from you. And you know, maybe Phil and I are wrong. I did try and see it twice, but it was sold out when I, I went. I just could never get around to doing it because I thought I just don't want to be in the cinema for like two and a half hours not enjoying it. It becomes difficult when it's if a you chore. watch a lot of films because, you know, it's hard to fit it into the week and like it's a long film. And, and you... I honestly felt like it was going to be a chore. And there's a part of me as well that doesn't want to pay that much money to Disney for it. Um, three, three, three times people are watching this film, man. Well, I don't think nearly as many people have gone to see it again as The Force Awakens. Well, the box office tells a story, but we can cover that uh, on a separate thing. Okay, thank you, listeners. Thanks very much for listening to this as well. 